Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Good to see everybody today. Happy Mother's Day. So glad you've chosen to be with us today. Today we honor the greatest women in the world, moms. Let's jump right into the Word of the Lord today. Can we do that? It was the year 1808 and 1809. All eyes were on Europe. Americans' thoughts and minds were focused on the European mainland while Napoleon was waging war in the Iberian Peninsula. It's the area that we recognize as Spain and Portugal today. All eyes were on the old continent, but something significant was happening right here at home that was going to impact our country forever. In the newly settled frontier of Kentucky, two boys were born. They were born within miles of each other. They were born within months of each other. Each boy was born in a rustic log cabin on America's cutting edge. And the similarities don't stop there. Each boy would later fight in the Black Hawk Indian War. Each would one day serve in Congress for his respective home state. Each boy would eventually grow up to be president. In fact, each would become president at the same time. In February 1809, in a small cabin three miles south of Hodgenville, Kentucky, one boy was born to the Lincoln family. His name was Abraham. He would grow up to become the president of the United States. The esteem that Abraham Lincoln holds in the hearts of so many of us is unprecedented. Not only has his face been carved onto Mount Rushmore, but his character has been carved into the hearts and souls of America. A few months earlier, in what is now present-day Todd County, the other boy was born. He was the 10th child to Samuel and Jane Davis. His name was Jefferson. He too would grow up to become president, but not of the United States. He became the president of a failed attempt at secession. He became the president of the Confederacy. Both boys, born in Kentucky, a state that ironically was neutral in the Civil War. So what was it that influenced the two diametrically opposed paths of these two significant men from the same county, the same time period, what was the turning point? They were both Kentucky-born, only miles apart, but here's where their stories begin to change. As a child, Jefferson Davis would be carried to the southern state of Mississippi where he would marry the daughter of a wealthy plantation owner. As a child, Abraham Lincoln was carried to the northern state of Indiana and later to Illinois. It was really quite simple. One boy's cabin was pointed toward the north, the cabin of Lincoln. The other cabin was pointed toward the south, the cabin of Davis. And the direction their house was pointing made all the difference in their lives and indeed in the history of the world. 
And on this very special day that we celebrate the most wonderful women in the world, on this day where we honor the most sacred job in the world, parenting, I want to ask every mother and father and married couple and every single adult in this room a very important question, and this is my sermon title today. Where is your house pointing? Where is your house pointing? See, because the direction that you point your house in, the direction you raise your family in, will make all the difference in the world. I want to take your attention today to one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. It's the story of a lady named Ruth. The story of Ruth is simple, yet powerful. Books have been written about her, movies have been made about her, even plays and theaters around the world perform this story. It's a classic story, it's a rags to riches story about a young Moabite girl by the name of Ruth. Her story opens with a series of tragic events, a family tragedy that spans five different episodes. If it was a movie or if it was a play, it would be like this. It begins with the family of Ahimelech who was, uh, and his wife Naomi and their two sons that left Bethlehem Judah for the land of Moab. They left their lifelong home. They departed from Bethlehem, which literally means the house of bread, and they were in search of literal bread in the land of Moab. The second and third and fourth installments of this story happen in rapid succession. Ahimelech dies, his sons, uh, the sons of Naomi, they marry these two Moabite women, and then the two sons die as well. So now you've got three widows, Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah. And that's where this fifth part of the story comes in. After ten years living in Moab, three widows... And every time I see the word Orpah, I want to call her Oprah. Amen. So if I slip and call her Oprah, you know who I'm talking about. At this point in the story, they decide that they're ready to go back to Bethlehem. So let's pick up the story right there, and here's our text. Ruth chapter 1, verse 6 and 8. It says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. And then we fast forward to verse 14. And again, they wept together. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. By the way, i got to say it. Those two verses, those were the verses that my wife read as marriage vows to me on our wedding day. Amen? (laughs) 
Wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you live, I live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I'm not sure she knew who my people were when she said that, but she's found out since then. Amen. <laughs> How many of you know we all got some people in our people, right? But here's what Ruth said. She said, wherever you die, I'll die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And notice verse 18. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So check this story out. This is amazing. They're on their way back to Bethlehem, three widows. And as they reach the border of Moab, Naomi turns around to her two daughters-in-laws, these young ladies, and she basically tells them, look, you guys have done enough. You've stuck with me. You've been here. I just want you to go back. Go back to Moab. Go back to your gods. You've done enough. Go back home. Ruth and Orpah both initially refused. So later on, when they get to the border, Naomi again insists that they return. But this time there was a different response. The Bible tells us that Orpah cried and she kissed her mother-in-law goodbye and Orpah turned and went back to Moab. Ruth, however, refused to go back. You can almost hear Ruth lifting up her voice and crying out when she said, I'm not going back, Naomi. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your nation is going to be my nation. Your God is going to be my God. Moab is behind me. But Bethlehem is in front of me. Two women who both had big decisions in front of them. Two destinies. Two different directions. Orpah's house and her future were pointed back toward Moab. Ruth's house and her future were pointed toward Bethlehem. Abraham Lincoln's family was pointed north toward Indiana and Illinois. Jefferson Davis's family was pointed south toward Mississippi. Is it going to make a difference? Yes. The direction of your house and where your house is pointing always makes a difference. Moab or Bethlehem. It represents an extreme clash of cultures. The nation of Moab began, ironically, with the incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughter. Not a very good way to start. Moab, they didn't worship the true and living God, but they practiced Kamash worship, which required the sacrifice of children as human sacrifices. Kamash was their main God, but they also worshiped other false gods and other idols. Bethlehem, however, was the total opposite. It represented an entirely different set of values, and in the site, it was the site where Jesus Christ would ultimately make his entrance into this world. Two different cultures, two different paths, different lifestyles, and most importantly, different gods. Bethlehem serving the one true God, Jehovah. Moab serving the false god, Kamash. Life Church, Moab or Bethlehem? Where is your house pointing? Hallelujah. You see, we have to understand that in 2021, we live in a similar clash of cultures. Jeff Davis and Abraham Lincoln might have been born into neutral Kentucky, but let me tell you, there is nothing neutral about the society that we live in today. Amen? 
Our country has definitely become more Moab than Bethlehem. We have our own forms of idolatry. We are powered by high-octane narcissism and materialism. Our society is growing increasingly more liberal and immoral. Just look around you. The desire for instant gratification with little regard to the long-term consequences. I wish I could tell you that this mindset was only shaping the minds of Americans, but unfortunately it's also affecting Christianity as well. Although we are not to be like the world, I also want to tell you the answer is not for us to isolate ourselves as a church from society and just build a little compound that we can all jump in and hide from the world. But what we need is to be the influence of Bethlehem in the midst of a Moab that we live in. Amen? And hear me, the only way that will happen is that daily we have to make intentional decisions about the direction that our homes are pointing in. Come on, amen? I feel like preaching today. We have got to be Holy Ghost-filled children of God, amen? we got to be Holy Spirit-led believers that every day we make a decision to say, I am not going to go back to Moab. I'm looking around this house. Is there anybody glad that God brought you out of Moab? Come on, is there anybody glad that God saved you from this world, amen? There is nothing there for us in Moab. We've got to become believers that determine that we're going to point our homes in the right direction. Believers who live by their convictions. Believers who pursue the truth of God's Word. Believers who make sure our lives are continually pointed in the right direction. Can I get a little help in this house today? Come on, we've got to understand there's always going to be the pull of Moab, but we cannot let it be greater than the pull of the cross. Saint of God, mom or dad, where is your house pointing? Are you pointing to the north or to the south? Are you pointing to Moab or are you pointing to Bethlehem? Are you pointing to the world or are you pointing to God's kingdom? See, because the answer for our families and for our world is a godly home that is pointed in the right direction. Mom, the difference in your boy becoming Jefferson Davis or Abraham Lincoln could be determined by what direction your house is pointing. Point your kids in the right direction. And hear me, take them there with you. Come on, hallelujah. Take them there with you. Hear me, Ruth would not have gone to Bethlehem had Naomi not shown her the way. Dads, we've got to love our kids more than our hobbies, more than our jobs, more than our desire to succeed, more than our pensions, more than our desire for material things. We've got to love our kids. Husbands and wives, we've got to love each other more than our own flesh. Amen. Are y'all here today? Amen. Come on. Let me do like that little boy did. Is this thing on? Amen. See, Jesus has got to be the foundation of our homes. And it's got to be pointing us in the right direction in order for our homes and for our marriages to last. If I'm being totally honest with you, you know, we talk about putting God back in the schools. We don't, nearly, we don't need God back in the schools nearly as bad as we need God back in the homes and in our marriages. Because if we can get God in the house, the school's going to take care of itself. Come on, somebody. Amen. So I've just got to ask us here today, where 
is your house pointing? You say, well, I'm not married yet. That's all right. You've still got a house. And where are you pointing? Well, I'm just a teenager. That's all right. You're raising up a household of one right now. Which direction are you walking in? Well, I'm married or I'm divorced or I'm single. Where is your house pointing? Are you in pursuit of him? Or are we just checking the religious box every week? Come on. Do we really love Jesus? Or do we just try to buy him off with a tithe check? Amen. Do we really love the kingdom? Or do we still have one foot in Moab where it's still pulling us? Come on. Where your house is pointing makes all the direction and generations to come after you. If you're single, is your dating life submitted in the direction of the Lord? Or is it in the direction of the world? I, I, I just need to tell people, oh, don't wait till you get married to get your stuff right. Amen? Get your stuff right now. Get it in the right direction. Married people, we need to protect our homes and our marriages by pointing them in the right direction. First of all, and it's sad that i got to do this, but I feel like I need to reaffirm from this pulpit that marriage is still between one man and one woman. That's God's original design. It has not changed. It has not changed. And I guess I need to say this, a biological male and a biological female. Amen. See, hear me, a marriage is not just a domestic partnership, it's a commitment. For richer, for poor for better or worse, for good and bad. And in order to survive, you've got to have it pointed in the right direction. What does a godly home look like? What does a godly marriage look like? Let me read a scripture to you real quick. And, and first of all, I want to say this. The church has screwed up the word submission. We got it all messed up. For years, Christian husbands used the word submission to beat the Bible over the heads of their wives. Come on. I'm not yeah, I'm getting some amen from the ladies. The men are awful quiet, though. Amen. You, you want me to tell you where biblical submission is? I'll just read it right out of the book. You don't even need my commentary. Verse 21. Here it is. Ephesians 5, 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission is a reciprocal relationship that brings reverence to Christ when it's done correctly. So what does that look like? Well, here it is, straight from the Bible again. For wives, verse 22, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his, of, of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, okay, now here, husbands, here's what it looks like for you. This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. <laughs> now, you think the wives have a tough job. I don't care how great of a husband you are, the way Christ loves his church, we got a lot of catching up to do, guys. We got a lot of catching up to do. You know why? It says, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, 
washed by the cleansing of God's Word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, shall we be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands, you ought to love your wives as you love your own bodies. Amen. There's another tall uh, bill of sale. Amen. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Amen. Our homes have got to be pointed in the right direction. We got to take back the home. We got to get it pointed in the right direction. We've got to reclaim marriages. Amen. Come on, we need to reclaim marriages in this country. We need to reclaim our children, amen, for the glory of God. We need to not give up on these kids that are struggling with their identity or struggling with addictions or struggling with depression. Come on, we've got to love them. We've got to embrace them. We've got to support them and get them on the right path. Point your home in the right direction. What is the right direction? Joshua said it in Joshua 24 and 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How powerful is a home that is pointed in the right direction? I believe it's more powerful than this entire world. It's more powerful than any lie from hell. It is more powerful than all the forces of wickedness combined, amen? Even in the chaos of the world that we lived in, I believe that the answer, the solution, is still a powerful church and powerful homes that are pointed in the right direction. Being pointed in the right direction has long-lasting benefits. Again, Lincoln's home was pointed north. Davis's home was headed south. The direction each was pointed had lasting benefits and lasting de detriments. Think about Lincoln, the Emancipation Proclamation, Gettysburg Address, his famous second inaugural speech, the terms for ending the Civil War. You know why all this happened? Because a family chose to point their home in the right direction. And by building a godly home, Parents propel blessings into future generations. And I can tell you reciprocally, when you do the opposite, you sow destruction into future generations. How many times have you seen that children of cheaters grow up to be cheaters? Children of abusers grow up to be abusers. Children of liars grow up to become liars. Unless we get ourselves oriented and positioned in the right direction. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about perspective. I'm talking about you just turn yourself around and you say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Come on. I don't care how much Moab you got behind you. Are you headed to Bethlehem, Judah? Are you headed north? Are you headed in the right direction? What are our kids learning from our example? And by the way, it, don't only, it doesn't only matter which direction you're pointing in. It matters what you're building upon. Luke 6, 47, Luke 6, 47 says, I will show you what everyone is like who comes to me and hears my words and obeys. 
The person is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the floods came, the waters tried to wash the house away, but it could not shake it because the house was built well. But the one who hears my words and does not obey is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the floods came, the house quickly fell and was completely destroyed. Well, pastor, what do I do if my house is already built on an unsure foundation? Just get in there and rebuild that foundation. Just get in there one block at a time, one bag of concrete at a time, one prayer at a time, one decision at a time. Come on, somebody. One I'm sorry at a time. One let's try this at a time. One let's do that at a time. Let's get this baby pointed in the right direction. Give them the right foundation. Teach them generosity by serving others, by giving by showing them how to serve others. Teach them to love one another by loving each other and loving people around you that are difficult to love. Teach them respect by honoring elders, honoring the police, honoring our spiritual leaders. Amen? Can I just throw this out here? I'm just going to say this. When Christmas time gets here, if your kids are in kids' ministry, buy their Sunday school teacher a gift. Come on, I, I, yeah, I'm just telling you, buy their children's, come on, buy their children's ministry a gift. Let them give that teacher a gift. Let them show them honor. Let them sh- teach them how to value spiritual leaders. Teach them how to love people in the church. Teach them how to love people in your neighborhood. Point them in the right direction. Ruth, you can choose Moab. Or you can choose Bethlehem Judah. Which will it be? Ruth, you don't have to go with me. You can go back to what you're comfortable with. But Ruth, I will tell you this. There's bread growing. There's wheat. There's prosperity in Bethlehem. That's why I'm leaving Moab, Ruth. If you want to go with me, you can come with me. There's better things on the other side. The one true God is over there. You can go back with Orpah if you want, but I'm glad that you're going to come with me into Bethlehem. Church, are you pointing toward God or away from God? Are you pointing toward submission or toward rebellion? Are you pointing toward righteousness or toward worldliness? Are you pointing towards healing or are you pointing towards bitterness and brokenness? I want the praise team and the musicians to come. Ruth chose to point her house toward Bethlehem. Orpah pointed her house back toward Moab. Orpah lost the opportunity that Ruth embraced to serve the one true God. Let me fast forward through the pages of your Bible and take you to a battlefield in Judah. On one side of the field, is a giant named Goliath. How many of you know that story? On the other side of the field is a young shepherd boy named David. But let me tell you something that you probably did not know. According to Jewish folklore, it was actually a battle of two cousins. You see, David, the Bible says, 
was a direct descendant of Ruth. And guess what? The Jews believed that Goliath was a direct descendant of Orpah. The decisions made by two young ladies at the border of Moab <laughs> on a path to Bethlehem with their mother-in-law. Ruth, what do you want to do? Orpah, what do you want to do? Now this isn't in the story, but I can imagine Naomi thinking, if not saying, there's going to be some eternal ramifications. Because where I'm going, I'm not coming back. My husband brought me to Moab. But he's gone. I'm going back to Bethlehem. And you can come with me or you can stay. Orpah stayed. Ruth went on. Ruth chose Bethlehem and it resulted in David. Orpah chose Moab and it eventually resulted in Goliath. Let me tell you about David. David followed after the faith of his great-grandmother Ruth. It's in the Scripture. Ruth's God. Remember when Ruth said, hey, Naomi, your God's going to become my God. Guess what? Ruth's God became David's God. Hallelujah. And he fought in the name of that same God. You could say that David's battle with Goliath was first won the day that Ruth said, I'm going to Bethlehem. My house is going to be pointed in the right direction. Orpah, I love you, but see you. Wouldn't want to be you. I love you, but I'm not going back. Kamash has nothing to offer me. I already tried that life. I've already worshipped those gods. I'm ready for the one true living God. And now, check this out. Man, this is the part. I, it, it just blows my mind. Fast forward now 14 more generations from David. And guess who comes on the scene? Jesus Christ. The same Jesus that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. 14 generations removed from David. David removed from Ruth. Ruth coming from Moab, back where she was supposed to be. I want to say to everybody in this house, so you might not think that some of those decisions that you're making that point toward Moab will matter much, but where your house and your heart is pointing is going to affect your children and your grandchildren and the people that they will influence if the Lord waits that long before He returns. Could you stand with me all over this house? I feel a sweet spirit of the Lord here. I, I want to change this, change the course. Play Amazing Grace for me, Joel. I feel the presence of God here. Every knee, every, every head bowed, please, every eye closed. I feel like the Lord is speaking right now. First of all, to some of you, to affirm you that you have your house pointed in the right direction. Don't be discouraged. 
by rebellious kids. Don't be discouraged by a wayward husband or wife. Don't be discouraged by the stuff that you're dealing with. Just keep your house pointed in the right direction. But then there's others in this room. I really feel like God is talking to you. And he's saying, it's, it's time for me to get one foot back out of Moab. It's time for me to stop vacillating between the two places and just get back on the right path. Because hear me again, I don't care how much Moab you've got in your history, how much junk you're dealing with right now, you can turn and get back on the right path today. Today. Whether it means personally repenting of your sins, inviting Christ into your life, being baptized, receiving the Holy Spirit, whether it's a personal decision like that, or maybe you've just got to make a corporate decision as a family to say, you know what? As for me, me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I'm going to commit my marriage back to you, God. If we got to get counseling, if we got to get help, if we got to do whatever we got to do, I'm giving it back to you, God. I'm going to fight for the finish line. God, I'm giving my kids back to you, God. I'm laying them on this altar. I dedicated them when they were babies. And Lord, I'm dedicating them again in prayer. Lord, I just want you to help me get my house pointed in the right direction. Some of you that are single right now, I want to encourage you. Make sure your dating life is pointed in the right direction. Make sure your decisions that you're making right now are pointed in the right direction. Let God bless your obedience by serving Him. We're going to begin to sing, and here's what I want to do. I want to open up this altar. And please, don't be afraid of this altar. Amen? I want to invite you to step out from where you are and come to this altar. And when you do, I want you to come out and say, I am pointing my house in the right direction. I am pointing my home in the right direction. Media team, I didn't ask you to do this, and if it's trouble, don't do it. I'd love for you to throw an image of a cross up on that screen. Because I want us to be pointing in that direction. That's the direction that we want to be in. And I'm going to invite you to come. And I'm going to ask you to just step out with you and your families and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Would you do that? Would you come? Could you come right now? On this beautiful Mother's Day, make the decision. We're going to make sure that our house is pointed in the right direction. Amen. Let's sing and let's begin to worship. Amen. Are you ready? It was amazing. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed this video, be sure to like, subscribe, and share it. Remember, you can join us live at Life Church every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Thank you again for watching.